0: Welcome to the Willy Wonka Podcast. I am professional film critic, Sean Patrick. With me is Jeff. Howdy. Uh, and of course, Jeff, tell people where they can find you.
1: Uh, you can find me all over the place, uh, on all the socials and whatever. Um, my Etsy shop is uh, Art Guy NYC, even though I don't live there anymore. Um, Jeff Lassiter Pop Cult is my Instagram, where you can see all the new stuff I'm working on, and go directly to my Etsy and everything from there. And jefflasseter.com is my website that I haven't updated in a while.
0: And I got to say, you you posted a piece on Hitchcock's The Birds this week that is one of the best you've ever done. Uh, if I if my car hadn't blown up this week, I'd be buying one of those. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> Christmas is coming. <laughs>
0: uh, it, it's, it's awesome. It truly is.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I can post it after the show.
0: Yes, do that. And let everybody see that and, and purchase it. Everyone buy that.
1: I sold one last night to a friend on uh, who I've never met. You know how DNA yeah. that is. Mm-hmm. And uh, she bought that in a Rocky Horror Picture Show print. Nice. And you know, I'm, I'm feeling generous, so I threw in a Christmas sticker. Um, Very So, cool. you know, you never know. If you order something, you might just get a Christmas sticker popped in there. Even though at this point, it'll arrive after Christmas unless you're In the Quad Cities area.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, Yeah, like I said, I was just really blown away by it.
1: Thank you. I'm doing a while I trying to do a pre order um, for a Silent Night Deadly Night poster that I've done. um, That, like most of my artwork on my uh, Etsy, it kind of went over like a lead balloon. Although I really like the piece, and I'll post it, and I hope everybody is like. If I can get five people to order it, Mm pre-order it, then I can have it printed. I'm just super broke because of the holidays and Mm -hmm. being underemployed and, you know, the life of an artist.
0: Yeah. So, uh, my stuff is at uh, geeks.media, horror.media, seanatthemovies.blogspot.com, and at podcast sean on Twitter. Uh, For me, I've been catching up on a lot of stuff, getting ready for the end of the year, because I get all these, screeners from the studios. And I'm going to make a controversial statement to you, Jeff, that right now I think, as and again, there is no bigger fan of A24 than me, but it is possible, it is possible that Neon this year has released even more better movies than A24. Really? They put out a series of films that I've been watching this week, that have just that just have blown my mind. Uh, and they're all foreign films except for one. Uh, Sanctuary is the uh, is a is an American film. Uh, absolutely brilliant. It takes the concept of a romantic comedy and places it in a context of a dominatrix and a hotel heir in a single hotel room in a night trying to negotiate what their future looks like as. The hotel heir is about to move up and become the CEO, and he's trying to break up with his dominatrix, and she won't let him. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> How do you break up with a dominatrix? I mean,
1: <laughs> how does that? Yeah. It's a is complex there like relationship. A, is there like a string of safe words that you have to give?
0: <laughs> I think so. I think it's got to be something like that.
1: Like a super complicated password? <laughs>
0: Uh, Christopher Abbott and Michelle and uh, Margaret Qualley uh, star in it, and uh, they're they're both tremendous. I think Christopher Abbott, uh, in terms of rising stars, this guy has mm-hmm. has been on an amazing run. Uh, when you add what he did with Brandon Cronen- Cronenberg not all that long ago, when you add in, uh, I believe was it was the death of Dick Long was that him? I think that might have been him. Yeah. I'm not getting him mixed up with another actor. But the bottom line is he's he's been doing incredible work, and and his work here. It's so amazing because he's playing this guy who, who is you know he 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 gets off on being subservient. He gets off on being told what to do. He does create the scenario in which he's being told what to do. That's kind of his thing. But he still enjoys having a woman dominate him and tell him what to do. They don't necessarily. It's not even necessarily sexual. They they do get to having sex but what he truly enjoys is just having a woman tell him what to do that's really his kink and here he is trying to have a trying to break up with her trying to end this relationship because if he's going to be a ceo he can't have a dominatrix as well or at least that's what he figures and you know she on the other hand would like to keep this relationship going but also she's feeling a little bit more ambitious than that where she wants to have a salary she wants to be she wants to be on par with him in terms of money and uh, she can you know have she does have this certain power over him to tell him what to do and watching those two navigate that is fascinating funny and like i said it's actually like a it is actually a, a romantic comedy in the most unlikely ways
1: huh. First of all, you know how I'm always talking like Adam Driver is ugly hot and <laughs> you know, like I'm I'm always on my bullshit about mm. guys. Yeah. He, he is so hot. I will watch literally anything he's in because I saw him in Possessor and I was just,
0: like, oh yeah, Possessor, great Who boy.
1: is that? What has he been in? And everything he's in, he's really really good in. So, yeah, I fully I fully sus- um, suspect that I will enjoy
0: this movie. <laughs> I highly recommend checking it out. It is, it is pretty incredible. Um, another one that I checked out is uh, a film by Alice Walker called La Chimera. Uh, La, Chim- La Chimera, uh, and this one was at Cannes. Uh, it start. It's about an Englishman living in Italy who is uh, he was an architect or not an architect? Archaeologist. He was. He now. He got in with a band of grave ro- grave robbers because he got became fascinated by what they were finding, and it led him to lose everything. He went to jail. Uh, he's as the story begins, he's just getting out of jail, and he's trying to avoid going back to the grave robbers and that life, and going back to jail. But he's getting dragged back to that. Uh, he's lost the woman that he loves. It's hard to tell early on whether or not she's alive or dead. Uh, that will get. Kind of answered, but it's also kind of unanswered as well. In a way, it's very fascinating how they play that, and really leaves it up to you to decide how the movie comes to a close. Uh, the film stars Josh O'Connor as the as this young architect, and it is such an incredibly well directed movie. This is an this is an idea that I, that I've never seen before. It's about a group of characters that you've really never seen before, and. And how how this plays out? Watching this guy try to navigate two different worlds, and uh, he he only barely speaks Italian, even though he lives in Italy. Uh, and uh, you know, a lot of people have to have to speak English to him in order for him to really follow them. And yet, he's making his life there in Italy, uh, having survived being in jail there. Um, it's a really fascinating film and incredibly well directed. And just, I uh, just one of the most remarkable foreign films of the year. Hmm.
1: Interesting.
0: Yes. It's called La Chimera and it is available everywhere. Uh, Let's see. Um, I sent you a review today, Jeff, and I'm going to spoil our end of the year by talking about this, but I have to talk (laughs) about it because it means everything to me. Uh, The movie perfect days is from director Vim vendors and this movie, I mean, when I say when I, this movie is is perfect for me. I I watched it last night. I I cried. I was just, I was shaken. I was filled with joy. I mean, it's it's a movie just about it. So, in as an artist, you'll appreciate this. In Tokyo, they hired a group of artists to create a bunch of public restrooms in very artistic styles. And different artistic styles. And they are some of the most unique and fascinating works of art that you could possibly see. And they just happen to be working public restrooms. And the story so, <laughs> this is a real thing that they did in Tokyo. And some friends of Vim vendors who lived in Tokyo decided to invite him there to see it, to see this, these works of art hoping that he might be inspired to make a, you know, short film about it that might show people, hey, look, look what cool things we're doing. And he was so inspired by it that he made this beautiful, gorgeous, poetic, lovely film about a man who is who diligently cleans all of these artistic restrooms. He goes about his job with a great deal of pride. He, he loves to do it, even as the mess is going to be there every single day. He goes in and he does his job to the best of his abilities, and it means a lot to him to do it well. Uh, in his private time, he likes to take pictures of trees and listen to classic uh, American music on cassettes. And, uh, and he just sort of just lives his life, and several things do happen. But mostly it's just about watching this man show to, sort of show you what it's like to— live a life of appreciation, to appreciate the things that mean something to you, to appreciate the works of art that mean something to you. And it just floored me. The the, the simplicity and the subtlety of that idea is so beautiful and so incredibly well expressed, on top of which, this is the best-looking movie I've seen in years. The cinematography is gorgeous, this every scene— his bedroom in his apartment just is composed and lit so perfectly. I just every frame is gorgeous, and I've I'm just blown away by it, Jeff. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I've never heard about it until I saw you post the article today.
0: I'd never heard about it until I pulled it out of this box that uh, that Neon gave me because uh, I'm trying to get through all of them, and uh, I wasn't sure what I what to expect of it i I kind of I honestly kind of dreaded it before I put it in because I didn't know anything about it. Uh, then Vim Vender's name popped up and like, oh, I haven't seen Vim Vendor's in years, but you know I know he's probably still been making movies. I've not been exposed to as much of him. I know him by reputation more than anything else. but when I saw his name I, I, I kind of perked up a little bit to see what this was about and I, I was completely blown away by it. It's such an incredible film. hmm.
1: Good to know. Yeah,
0: uh, two more I want to recommend to people. I won't go on as long about these two, but uh, <laughs> Fallen Leaves, uh, Aki Kaurismäki's uh, new film from Finland, is incredible. It's it takes Hollywood romance of the '40s and and shrinks shrinks it down to the scale of two poor people living in modern day Finland. Uh, it's got the it's got these like romantic ideas and and look that would feel right out of a 1940s romance or 1950s romance. Uh, but it's on the scale of two people who are just barely above the poverty line. And, uh, the way he balances the, those two things is just absolutely brilliant. Uh, it's a great, great film. And I saw Kelly Reichert's movie. I didn't, I didn't realize Kelly Reichert had put out a movie this year, but, uh, showing up with Michelle Williams, uh, is another brilliant film uh, about an artist who creates, uh, she creates sculptures and a uh, uh, very, a very quiet woman with a very quiet life. Lots of, I guess there's a theme going on there, but just people <laughs> having very quiet lives as artists and, and, and weirdos and such. Uh, I just, it's a really great film. It's, I, I you're going to be you're going to be bothered by this but it reminded me of that uh, of uh, oh god now I would lose the title of course um uh, John Dealman Jean John, Dealman it reminded oh me of Jean <laughs> Dealman and it's got a lot of that uh, patience and, and a lot of that uh, uh, you know I letting you walk around in the frame and figure out how you feel about what you're seeing and it's a lot like that and uh but as done by Kelly Reichert. Huh. I really loved it. So well, there if it's if, it's
1: if it's a you're... lot like Gene Deal, I probably will not. <laughs> it, but that's just me being uh, pedestrian. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it's phenomenal. I've still got a bunch of movies to go um, in this box of mine, but. Uh, I mean, Neon did miss a couple times this year. They missed with Eileen. I think they kind of, for me, they kind of missed with Ferrari, uh, which is coming up soon. It Lives Inside wasn't that bad. I liked, I kind of liked that one. Yeah, I liked that one actually a lot. One that you need to see, Jeff, as a horror fan Ennis Maine. Absolutely fucking genius British horror film about a woman alone on an island. Absolutely incredible film. It was in my top ten for much of the year. I'm not sure if it's still in the top ten, but it's up there.
1: Hmm. Somebody else mentioned that to me, and I can't remember who. But yeah that that's one I'm going to have to check out as soon as possible.
0: And considering that a24 missed so badly on the Iron Claw, I'm just <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I'm getting dragged on Twitter for that. I'm just getting dragged by people. Drag away, folks. You know what? Drag away. It's fine. Drag me all you want.
1: I mean, you're not always right.
0: <laughs> you know, right? I can take it. I, I right. hate that movie. I it's, not in my worst, it's not in my 10 worst, because it doesn't deserve that. It's too... It's too, <clears throat> it's too not terrible to be there, but it's certainly not good.
1: I'm not making a 10 worst. I have my ones that I didn't like, but I've decided to not not be that that way this year you know like oh it's the worst and i don't want to rank because art is subjective and i know that like there are people who have told me to my face they hate my art uh mostly that's just people on twitter who i disagree politically with um <laughs> but you know it's not it's when somebody says oh i don't like what you did and it's something that's personal or whatever i'm just kind of like yeah i get it mm-hmm. all right but I thought about it today because somebody was like, "Oh, the worst movie I've seen this year," and and it was um, not not Iron Claw. Uh, it was Bo is Afraid, and I liked that movie.
0: Was a great movie. I love I love Bo is Afraid.
1: And I mean, I you know, as I've gotten away from it, um, I've cooled on it a little bit as far as you know, like, but it's not. If if I hated it, I would never like. If I met Ari Aster, I would talk about the stuff I loved.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, Midsommar and Hereditary, and I would talk less about Boas Afraid because I didn't love it as much as I love the other two. I still liked it a lot. It might make my top ten.
0: It's it's in my top top three for sure. Um. But I, I I don't mind making a, a worst of list. I think there's something I think there's something valuable in trying to, to encourage people to be better. Uh, specifically, that whoever made Back on the Strip, that person needs to find Jesus. He needs to find something else to do with his life. <laughs> this movie, it, it's absolute trash from beginning to end. It's still 90 minutes of my life that I want back. And uh, I'm going to remain angry at that. Is the worst movie of the year? Uh, you know, I'll just run through it right now because we're not going to do the worst list on the best of. So uh, maybe I do. Diane Keaton continues to make terrible films after terrible film after terrible film. House Party. Uh, I think it might have been the same director back on the strip. So that guy really <laughs> sucks. Uh, I'm Mordecai is Jed Hirsch starring in what appears to be a 90 minute iPhone commercial. Horrible. Uh, (laughs) Expendables 4 I don't need to explain why that's (laughs) Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's also shit Uh, God is a Bullet Good god what a piece of crap that was Uh, Nobody even really knows About God is a Bullet so I shouldn't even put it on the list But it's there Mafia Mama with Tony Collette God awful piece of shit (laughs) I forgot about that movie Terrible. It's so bad It's such a bad movie Ah, uh, you people with Eddie Murphy and uh, is that Jonah Hill. Oh Oh man. yeah, that's not a good movie. Insufferable. It's insufferable is what that movie is. And uh, Quiz Lady, uh, Quiz Lady with Aquafina and Sandra Oh, mostly because they just wasted two incredibly talented people in a really awful movie. And uh, then the last one is the inc- the incredible ca- career decline of uh, of. Uh, of a wonderful, of a formerly very good uh, director. Um, why does that always happen to me? I have a point to make and I just lose it. <laughs> I was just saying, I was just about to say his name and it just left me. Uh, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> uh, the director of Ms. 45, Abel Ferrara. Oh, yeah. The cr- continuing career decline of Abel Ferrara with the movie Padre Pio, in which he takes two different movies and tries to sew them together and pretends we don't notice. <laughs> <laughs> like He's got Shia LaBeouf in one movie, and he's got an Italian uprising against socialism in another movie, and, or, or fascism in another movie, and they're just sewed together so poorly to the point where Shia LaBeouf never interacts with anybody who's in the other story, and it's clear he wanted to tell one story and had to tell the other one just to get the movie made.
1: Yeah, he. Ms. Forty Five was great. He yeah. is hit or miss for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, I, I first discovered him when he worked with Madonna and the um, Dangerous Game or whatever it was called. I don't, I don't even remember, but it Ooh. was just bad. Uh, I mean, and that partially is Madonna because Madonna's not one of our greatest actresses. <laughs> She's that not is. as bad as she's not as bad as like she's made out to be. Because she does do some funny stuff and stuff like who's that girl? And you know, I think she was career high in Avita, um, desperately seeking Susan is great. You know, it's she's best when she's playing somebody closer to herself. And when she was doing all these like femme fatale, um you know, like body of evidence. I think we've, <laughs> we've talked <laughs> that to death. Yeah. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, I saw that and I was just like, I'm like, this is supposedly some avant-garde director. And that's not what I, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was my first, my, yeah, I didn't see Miss 45 until way,
0: way later. Yeah. So. Yeah. We just thought, I mean, we would, we did it at a classic Donald that long ago and it was really great. Uh, and he's done a couple of other movies that I, uh, he did one with Willem Dafoe not all that long ago. That wasn't it wasn't bad. It was about uh, the it was about the director Sallo uh, Pasolini, which is mm. a, a topic obviously yeah. I'm pretty fascinated with. So, but yeah, this is last year he made the worst movie of the year as well. So, I mean, or one of the worst movies of the year last year was what he made with Ethan Hawke, the name of which I can't even remember. But it it's the worst looking movie I've ever seen in my life. It looked like it was shot on like a. Like a flip phone. <laughs> so bad. It was so awful. But yeah, the, I I don't mind making a worst of list because I think, I think there's a lesson to be learned from these movies, and the lesson is to be better. Try to be better people. Try to make something better. Uh, these are very talented people who don't need to make 90-minute iPhone commercials or, or the same romantic comedy they've made for 25 years or a movie about... Drippers in Las Vegas. Oh God, back to back on the strip is so bad. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so I got that out. I got I got the I got that out. So I feel better. Uh, let's talk about uh, this or talk about our new movies because we're here to talk about uh, the the Willy Wonka cinematic universe. Um, and of course, we'll talk about first the new movie Wonka, starring uh, Timothy Chalamet as uh, Willy Wonka, who comes to. Uh, England to uh, set up shop. He wants to sell chocolates in the biggest uh, chocolatier area in in all of England. Uh, he wants to start a shop, and uh, things happen and conspire to get in his way. But obviously, we know he goes on to build his own factory and so on and so forth. Uh, this is a musical, which a lot of people weren't aware of when they went into this, which I think affected a lot of people's perceptions of this film. Uh, you know, just <laughs> if you walked into this not knowing it was going to be. As musical as it is, I'm going to remind you that you should have seen the first one. But nevertheless. <laughs> uh, I, I I kind of enjoyed this. I didn't expect to. I went into this thinking this was going to be, a, not going to be good. I went into it because I didn't recognize the, I don't know the director. And Chalamet, I think, he, I think he, he hasn't really missed all that much. I didn't love Bones at all. But other stuff that he's done, like uh, Call Me By Your Name and the uh, you know, the smaller roles that he's played in in Lady Bird and other things, he he's and Dune is a good Dune was a great performance. Um, so, I, I guess I should have trusted him a little bit more because I, once I got into this, I kind of I really did kind of get into this and and really enjoyed it. It's it's got a kind of a mischievousness that is like like a, a glimmer in the eye of what Gene Wilder will bring to to, to Willy Wonka. You know, in uh, in the future of Willy Wonka, if you will, uh, I didn't think he sang. Su- he, I didn't think he sang all that bad. I, I, there's a lot of people dragging him for his singing. I didn't mind his singing at it's all. It's fine. It's fine. He did a good enough job. Uh, and I, I didn't. I really liked the young girl in the movie. The young girl in the movie is tremendous. She is such a sweetheart, and she does such. A, she she she's just so much fun to watch, and she really is a good foil for him. Uh, Calla Lane. Uh, plays his young assistant. And the only bad thing about her is, like, when I watched then the classic Willy Wonka, I'm going, well, how do you explain what happened to her and all the supporting characters from Wonka? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because, like, the only character that kind of, at least in name only, carries forward is Slugworth.
1: (laughs) Yes. Although he fell into a vat of uh, skin bleaching. (laughs) over the years
0: well no that wasn't the real slugworth you didn't know that oh yeah that wasn't the real slugworth That that was uh Willy wonka's spot own spy on oh that's right that's right yeah. that's right yeah we'll get to that um <laughs> uh what did you think i i pa- i gave this one a pass i like it
1: i like it i didn't love it Um, I, again, what is with 2023 and 2024? Not telling people movies are fucking musicals, Mean (laughs) Girls. I mean, Mean Girls, nobody, like I said something about, are you going to see the Mean Girls musical? My friend was like, musical? I thought they just remade it. I'm like, no, it's it's a musical. Color Purple. If you don't, like, if you don't know that there was a Broadway musical Color Purple, are you going to know that this is a musical
0: maybe not yeah I, I I've seen that it's incredible by the way so
1: I have not seen it yet I can't wait to see it um, I'm a big fan of the original um, so I but it's you know it's remember when Chicago came out 20 years ago and it was like all oh, this new musical and everybody was really into musicals again and I yeah. I want people to know that they're going into a musical so that they're into it.
0: I feel the same way because I like I think trying to hide it is is kind of silly and, and is going to hurt like I think it hurt the perception of this film. I think it hurt the, the audience score a little bit from people who don't like it when people break into song. At the same time, I understand it from a business perspective. Musicals have down. Uh yeah, cats did <laughs> did a lot of damage to, to people's perception of musicals, but other, there have been other recent musical failures that have also uh, tainted, uh, the idea of watching people just sort of break into song out of nowhere. And, you know, a lot of that is on the directors. Like it's, you have to accept that you're watching a musical. You have to accept that in this universe, either this is a, a magical thing, or it's a thing where somebody in their mind is imagining a musical sequence. Uh, One of, the, one of the problems I would say that I have with another movie you know, that we just mentioned, Color Purple, is that at times it, it blurs that line a little bit too much between what's imaginary and what's actually happening. But uh, <laughs> this movie adopts a, uh, adopts a pose on, on the musical lines where it's, it's magic. So magically, everyone's going to be able to hear the songs. Magically, everybody's going to be part of the choreography. And uh, then we just accept that this happens in this universe yeah and it yeah, worked I, for me
1: <laughs> well i i mean as i was sitting there and he's like he starts singing immediately i'm like oh wait i forgot that the uh, the other one was a musical as well
0: yeah i always forget so, how much music is in the original willy wonka and the chocolate factory yeah exactly Let's talk about the rest of this cast. What did you think of Olivia Coleman, Mrs. Scrubbit? She plays uh, a woman who uh, essentially shanghaies uh, <laughs> uh, Willy Wonka into working in her uh, lo- basement laundry based off of this terrible contract that gets linked into f- looking for a place to stay.
1: First of all, I love Olivia Coleman in almost everything she's ever done, except for Secret Invasion, because that, that was just terrible and boring. <laughs> and I, I made it three episodes in. I did
0: um, not watch it.
1: <laughs> her her chemistry with uh tom davis yes yeah. those two t- together i just i got a big big laugh out of um i thought they were really good together uh she ate so much scenery. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it must have all been made out of chocolate because she was eating it <laughs>
0: She yeah. was just eating it. I, I think she wishes this were Sweetie Todd. I think she wishes she was... <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Now I can see her as Miss Lovett. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Lots of big swings on her part, and I appreciated that. I like the little plot about uh, about how they got around her and uh, using Tom Davis the way they did, his uh-huh. character the way they did. That was cute and clever. That made me giggle.
1: I agree. And did you... Or- was I the only one who thought that maybe uh Ficklegruber, Prodnos and Slugworth were in a three-way relationship? <laughs> like the chocolate triad?
0: <laughs> oh man, I can't look at it like that. Uh, the one of those guys is the uh, one of those guys is one of Doctor Who's companions, Nardal, and I I can't he's not a sexual being to me in any way. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize, and, and yeah, but
1: why was Matt Lucas dressed like Hitler? <laughs> okay, I I I am friends with some of his friends and he's apparently a really great guy. Why did he let them dress him like Hitler?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh <laughs>
1: Like did blonde, th- blonde Hitler.
0: <laughs> oh, that was terrific.
1: Now, I should say that um, I went to the early screening today of this mm-hmm. movie on Tuesday morning. Um, and it, I happened to have today off. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go on Discount Tuesday because I'm broke as a joke. Um, I was in a theater with... Uh, a a large group of special ed kids and they loved this movie. Yeah. Um, some of them were, you know, talking a lot about other stuff. They were a little further down and I, I you know, I let it slide. Cause you know, whatever um, they're not grown adults <laughs> watching Scream, So right. I don't have to spoil the movie for them. <laughs> um, but they like, they reacted to everything Exactly how the um, uh, filmmakers wanted you to, and so I think that that kind of helped me a little bit with it mm-hmm. because it was like, oh, they get you know they they get the jokes, they think they're funny, they you know they were very receptive to all the ideas and the music and everything else in the movie. So but the, the older lady was sitting next to me. I think she really must be a huge Willy Wonka f- fan just in general. Hmm. She was wearing a Wonka, Wonka, uh, sweatshirt and whatever. And it's, when he popped up and put his coat on, so she goes, Oh my God, he's wearing it. He's wearing it. He's wearing it like <laughs> that. And it was so cute.
0: Oh, that's um, wonderful.
1: And she just like, I kind of, every once in a while I glance over at her and she was just like enraptured.
0: That's why and, I think movies in, in movie theaters is so special. Stuff like that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know, like I, there's movies that I want to see that I have still haven't seen. Cause I thought I was going to be able to get down to the last picture house to see um, where evil lurks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might have to just watch it, bite the bullet and watch it streaming. And I, I want that experience, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So I hear you. I, I love that experience. I love the communal experience and, you know, and, and, and I wish I would have seen something like that when I because I watched it at home. Cause I do have it. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But but I love the the I can imagine people reacting when they hear just those little strains in the score of uh, World of Imagination. You know, where they they feed that in throughout the movie, and it always worked on me. Yeah, I thought the score was tremendous and, and this <laughs> wonderful, wonderful cast. Uh, just a big shout out to Patterson, Joseph, As Slugworth. That guy really, he really owned those scenes.
1: Oh, he, yeah, he, I, the supporting cast just like ate the, ate everything
0: up. I mean,
1: <laughs> you know, all three of those guys were just like, rah, 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 rah. and Olivia <laughs> Coleman, um, and Michael
0: Key just all over the top. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when he couldn't get out of the car and he was like, the car shrunk. And I was just like, Oh my God.
0: not even trying with the accent either. Just not even going to bother trying with an accent.
1: Well, if you like it, it's, it's unclear, um, where they're exactly supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think it's made because they never say, Oh, we're in London. We're in England. Yeah. I guess. Um, Even though if you watch the first one, that's where you get it. But Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, so many of the characters are German or named, you know, like named German names. Um, I think it's kind of like it and Timothy Chalamet, he just spoke with an American accent. So (laughs) I think it's just, it's just kind of like a melting pot.
0: Yeah. Dean Wilder didn't have an accent either. so So. Yeah. Then it just kind of exists all over. Uh, It's kind of universal in that way. Um, Sally Hawkins is in this movie, and what a lovely inclusion! Like, it's sometimes it's those really small roles, with the, when they're cast well like that, it, it hits a little bit harder. I thought because it's Sally Hawkins, and because she's so expressive and so uh, just so lovely, that those moments about Willy Wonka and and his mother uh, that just hit a little bit harder for me because she's she's so compelling
1: yeah I agree she, she's pure mm. and you know it's just his motivation is all her yeah and I think she plays that as that's the reason why you know she's just got that pure mother's love and then the um, you know the the note that she leaves him was mm. a really nice touch at
0: the end. That re- it really was, yeah. There's just a lovely, lovely little grace notes uh, throughout this movie that I really enjoyed. <clears throat> but I just, I feel like I feel like there were seeds in Chalamet's performance of what Willy Wonka would become. Like if you treated this like a prequel to what Gene Wilder did, I think that you can sense a sort of uh, an origin story that makes sense for the Gene Wilder version of this character.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, he was very. He's got that little mischievous, but maybe it, he doesn't. And we'll we'll get, we'll talk about Gene Wilder, but he's got a little bit of more of an edge to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that
0: that. But and but here's the thing, like just to just to kind of theorize off of that, I think he develops that edge. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Because of what happened to him in between this movie and what happened and the, and where we start with Willy Wonka where he's you know he's shut down the factory he's not letting anybody in he's fired all of his employees he's a different he's a different guy something has happened i think slugworth and and the rest of the chocolate cartel got to him at some point and he shut down and the, you know him returning is kind of paranoid and and a little bit mad i think uh, it makes sense no i yeah i totally
1: 100% agree with that um, but uh, what I'm saying is, there's a a tad of meanness in Gene Wilder towards the kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that I would have liked to have seen just a tiny bit of that, you know, just to let it, let us know that it's there, that mm-hmm. it could be there. Um, but that was the that's the only note I had. I would have had for. Chalamet is just say, you know what? Just every once in a while, sharpen your tone a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I think I can see that. I I just I think that everybody worked just so well together. Um, yeah, it's not my. It's not going to be on my top ten or anything. But it was no fully enjoyable for what it was. I didn't want to see it. Yep. And I I wouldn't have gone in. I wouldn't have watched it in the theater mm-hmm.
0: if it wasn't for the show. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you did. So, uh, we haven't mentioned one of the, one of the major cast members. We haven't mentioned Hugh Grant yet.
1: Oh God, that was <laughs> fucking. Oh my God, how disturbing was that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, see that he, he's yeah, he's kind of the, like. I think I kind of I did I didn't mind him doing that, but when you see when when I went back and I watched, of course, our classic. I was like, how does he fit with those Uppaloopas? Because those feel like they're much bigger than him. Well, they are.
1: They really are. I mean, I'm, you know, just, so they're described in the book
0: mm-hmm. as
1: knee-high. So, you know, technically, so like.
0: A little more he, true to the book, then.
1: Yeah, he's more true to the book as even Deep Roy in, uh. Uh, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp, even he is more true to the book as far as they don't describe them, they just say they have long hair, speak their own language, and they're knee high. Um, and of course it you know, in 1970, they're not gonna make they're not gonna be able to like deep fake you know, all the little people to make them right. smaller. So yeah, it makes sense that they would actually do it the quote unquote correct way. But he was just. I, there was something so disturbing about his performance, and yeah. I don't know what it was for me. It was just a little like a little uncal- uncanny valley, maybe. I don't know.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I, I. Yeah, I didn't have as much of a problem with him as that. I. I. I in fact, like I loved his insouciance. Yeah. Uh, I think. I think he brought a. I think. I think I could see him kind of as a. As a leader of the. Of the of the uh, Oompa Loompas of the future, maybe like, yeah, uh, it just doesn't quite look enough like them to make it work. But yeah, well,
1: he's not, I mean, okay. Um, Delicately little people, some little people have a very distinctive look, you know, the higher brow ridge and whatever. And that was most of the Oompa Loompas in the original had that, you know, that, disproportionate dwarfism. I can't remember the name of it, Um, but he, you know, they just used his actual face. They didn't do any prosthetic work or anything. I couldn't imagine them trying to do that. Um, So yeah, he's not going to look like one of the original Oompa Loompas, Mm -hmm. but I think that the, the makeup and the hair went, you know, a long enough of a way, I guess. Hmm.
0: Do you want to say anything about the, uh, the Johnny Depp, <laughs> Charlie and the chocolate factory?
1: Um, Missy Pyle was in it and I love Missy Pyle.
0: <laughs> so uh, I, I've, I, before we got on the show, I pulled up my, my review and I thought I didn't like it, but apparently I'm reading my review and I guess I kind of liked it. I said, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is a joy for children of all ages. Even diehard fans of the original will be able won't be able to deny the wonderful artistry of this <laughs> reimagining. Damn, I know. Weird, right? I didn't have Did i. Jim I have no Burton give you a handy in much. the theater. <laughs> I apparently really enjoyed it.
1: I saw it in the theater. I don't remember a lot of it, and I thought about rewatching it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't own it. And I th- actually, I thought I owned, um, the original it wa- I, I own it. I own it on disc and I thought it was in my voodoo collection, but apparently it's disappeared. So yet another reason why physical, physical media matters.
0: Amen to that.
1: Um, yeah, the, so I didn't, I did not, I'm not, wasn't going to rent the Tim Burton one. I was just, sure. I'm just not, um, and I <laughs> I don't remember liking it. I remember mm-hmm. being like, oh, there's Missy Pyle. I like Missy Pyle. She's friends with some friends and apparently a very nice person. But uh, yeah. Yeah. not nice enough for me to like that.
0: So, The last thing, the legacy of it for me is just how much Johnny Depp was playing Michael Jackson as mm-hmm. Willy Wonka. Yes. That's really the only thing I actually... Like, like took away from it. Uh, to the point where I even didn't remember that I liked it. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> He's just, he was just so off putting in it for me.
0: Hmm. Well, apparently I don't have a good enough memory of it to talk about it. So
1: <laughs> fine by me.
0: Yeah. Um, so, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the classic this week, of course, based off of uh, the fact that there's a new Wonka movie in theaters, directed by Mel Stewart, uh, released in 1971, and, of course, starring Gene Wilder. And really, when I reflect on this movie now, Jeff, I think to myself that the wrong Gene <laughs> was nominated for an Academy Award and won an Academy Award in 1971, because 1971, they gave the award to Gene Hackman, and they didn't even nominate Gene Wilder. And Gene Wilder kicks ass in this movie. He is amazing. He is a marvel. The movie takes on this new dimension when he when he finally comes on screen as Willy Wonka. The the wit, the 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 slyness, the just the the way that he's willing to let these children kill themselves. <laughs> just, <laughs> just the that 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 somewhat kinda sort of sinister Vibe to him. Uh, it's just exciting to watch, and I had a, I developed a theory as I was watching this, Jeff. That I think I think the real progenitor of the of the Gen X attitude, that attitude, the, that that level of sarcasm, that unwillingness to connect emotionally <laughs> with anything for fear of it will betray us. Uh, I think that comes from him. I think this might be the thing. That created the true Gen X attitude. (laughs) Well, you're not far off, maybe. (laughs) I mean, there's a few other things. Obviously, I think the Simpsons and Conan O'Brien certainly have a role to play there, but honestly, truly, like when I looked when I was watching this, I'm like, this reminds me so of so many people I know. (laughs) Yep. I, I yeah, I mean,
1: for me it was Janine Garofalo and Reality Bites, but I see that
0: now. That movie for me is a little on the note. <laughs> it's a little, that's a little bit too much.
1: You know? <laughs> I was working at the Gap when that movie came out.
0: Yeah.
1: And we were all like we we had a video that they sent us of them making the movie. And then <laughs> we went to we all went to see it as a group. And Winona Ryder was like, "I'm not going to work at the goddamn Gap," and we are like, "Oh, cool."
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Synergy. Synergy. (laughs) That's product placement right there.
1: (laughs) So yeah, I yeah I can see that. Yeah, Gene Wilder in this movie is me. Um, wanting to just like I, my favorite Instagram is kids getting hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're never like really
0: damaged. Yeah, it's just like a, a knee scrape or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, or falling down a flight of stairs, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> jumping out a window, that kind no, um, uh, A lot of it is dogs chasing after a kid, overtaking the kid, and then knocking him down, and they're like. <laughs> years old it's great um <laughs> kids getting hurt and uh, america's got no talent those are hmm. choice instagrams to follow nice. um but yeah i'm you know i'm kind of like i kind of get that now that now that you say that yeah that's that's where i got a big uh chunk of me
0: probably no doubt about it i think really like i think all of jetx kind of Uh, took this under our skin in some way uh i think we all grew up uh, you know seeing reruns of it uh and and you can just see so much of gene wilder in in the attitude that we all carried through the 90s you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) so many of us Uh, on top of it it's just it's such an incredible performance he's so charismatic he's so unique the way he delivers a line—I mean, I don't even honestly quite know what this line means—but it hit me, like, and I just found it just to be one of the most, the coolest thing any person has ever said. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamer of dreams. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about, but it sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Did you did you watch The Office? Uh some of it. Did you
1: watch it when James Spader was on it? No, no, I didn't. So James Spader played Robert California, and he was the CEO of the company that bought Dunder Mifflin. Um, and he was supposedly this very rich man who was super decadent. And watching rewatching Willy Wonka after many, many years, I was like, I wonder if that's kind of where James Spader got... His characterization <laughs> of Robert California, because it's like, oh, you know, don't, don't come back. You know, he's just very kind of blase about everything. Mm-hmm. And then he's very, very, very intense about other things. And actually at watching this again, I'm just like, oh, I'm getting some Robert California
0: vibes. That's an interesting thought. That's interesting. <laughs> Certainly, a great idea for to take this type of attitude to a to a television character for sure. So. <laughs> I'll take it a step further too with this uh, with this idea of how this about how that Willy Wonka reflected the generation that came after him. I think this Willy Wonka could do the same thing. This new Wonka, like in terms of being earnest and sweet and and generally kind to people like that is something that hopefully is filtering down to this next generation of, of not wanting to be, you know, horrible to each other. Uh, I get a sense that maybe that's, that's a vibe that they could be picking up on. I hope and Um, that movie, you know, reflects that a little bit.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at somebody like, um, you know, post Malone, take Mm -hmm. him for
0: instance,
1: very sensitive, very grounded, very just, Sweet, and nice, and you know, doesn't it not doesn't like take his masculinity to a toxic level, and mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people, and I don't know if it's because they have Gen X parents or Millennial parents, are more empathetic and not so, um, not so quick to be mean to you know, like like I like I was in um the theater today with a lot of special education teens and adults Mm -hmm. and they were very talkative and the theater was pretty full and it was, you know, and I think everybody just kind of understood and nobody was mad. The Mm. only person who said anything was their teacher and was like, Hey, you know, we have to just be quiet so other people can enjoy the movie when they were talking about stuff that wasn't about the movie. Yeah. And, generally when you go to a movie and I'm, I'm the biggest like bitch when it comes to this stuff, if you're talking through the movie, I'm going to Karen the fuck out of you. (laughs) Um, But you know, most of the people that were in the movie today were like probably skipping class or they just, you know, college students or whatever back for the holidays, but everybody was super chill. And I think that's what, that's the vibe that's now is like, you know, just, Super chill. That's good. He he kind of embodied that, you know, they're, they're drowning in chocolate. He's like, he just knows that something, you know, is going to save them until, until he's, until it's not,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, and um, he, the, just the way he's, he looks at problems as solutions waiting to happen. Yeah. Um, I think that's you know that 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 whole chill vibe is something that I'm I'm seeing a little more and more.
0: I think um, so, I, and to infer just a little bit more, Chalamet. I don't know what his his deal is, but I do. But but through the characters that he plays, he does have a sort of that like sexuality on a spectrum as opposed to the binary, and I yeah. think that's something also that the that the generations that have followed Generation X. Have embraced that idea and are coming around to the idea of, of that sexuality is not something that is so perfectly rigid. Yeah. And I think there's yeah. an element of that that, you know, when it comes to Chalamet, he reflects that better than maybe any actor working today.
1: Well, I think as generations, you know, come of age, they're rejecting the binary of a lot of things, you know, not just sexuality or gender, but just. You know, not everybody's all good or all bad and, um, you know, politics and Hollywood and all those, you know, it's all just on the spectrum, like you said, you know, on a spectrum of non-binary thought. And I don't mean that in a gender specific way. I mean that just thought wise. So
0: I like it. I like it. I liked, but Willy Wonka. I mean, the fact is that that he really Gene Wilder deserved to win Best Actor in '71. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't I, I don't want to drag Gene Gina Hackman or anything. I don't. It's not a Popeye Doyle's not a bad performance. But I don't think it's a very good performance. I think it's a pretty basic performance in a yeah. pretty basic movie. Whereas this, you can just you just. I think the problem is it seems so effortless. I think that's the issue: is that he seems like like this is just this just rolls off of him without any without anything to show his work.
1: <laughs> you just described Gene Wilder though a, in almost any performance.
0: <laughs> I, no, he he was a genius.
1: He was an absolute genius. I mean, even later in life, he did Will and Grace, mm-hmm. and he was just he was quirky and just kind of his character was a little dumb and a little spaced out Mm -hmm. and you just kind of went, Oh, okay. He's doing a bit. And that bit was Gene Wilder. Yeah. Blazing saddles. I mean, Oh my God. (laughs) The broad comedy of that. I
0: (sighs) people of the land. Morons. (laughs) (laughs) It's the timing, the timing. He's so great. Those jail scenes, just superb comedy.
1: Yeah. I, I, I wish I had appreciated him more,
0: Mm -hmm. Same.
1: you know, as, as a performer, but yeah, he's just, he's great. And the way he plays this in, in
0: this movie is just perfect. It's iconic. It's an iconic performance. Uh, it's, I mean, there's a reason why why meme culture for a time centered on just a picture of him looking at a <laughs> child, top text, bottom text. Like that's there's a reason why that happened. It's because he's so expressive and so charismatic, even in a photo.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And and you know that like when you see that photo, you don't you don't question
0: what it's about. You know what I mean. You just yeah. Like, you just know somebody's being very, very, very sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more about why you think Donald Trump should be president. <laughs> <laughs> Say less. Say less. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this mm. is the kind of you can put that, that 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 sarcasm just in a picture is just brilliant. The fact that he doesn't, he will not condescend to a child. He will do. He will not. Pretend that he likes a child.
1: Well, and and that's another thing that like, when you talk about his performance Mm.
0: um,
1: and the way that it kind of influenced Gen X, Mm -hmm. I, I was at, uh, well, our uncle's 90th birthday party this weekend. And I noticed that our cousins, kids having been, like raised by us, you know what I mean? Are <laughs> talk to kid, talk to little, little kids. Like they're little adults oh. in a good way. Not mm-hmm. in the, you know, let's now let's talk about our feelings. No, not like that right. in the, Hey, you little bastard, <laughs> you know, the way my dad talked to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fuck face, come over here. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. It just, treating them like they have their own agency. And I think that that was one of the things about his performance that he realized that these, these kids all have personalities Mm -hmm. and yes, they're, you know, they're like for the movie and, you know, in the book and everything, they're very standardized, stereotyped kids, but he knows that they all have a personality and he treats them like they have a personality.
0: Mm -hmm. So it, and I think I think one of the things that uh, the you know the director of the movie who does not get enough credit for his work here Mel Stewart um, and this screenplay was actually written by Roald Dahl uh, they 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 define these people these kids they give them basically one trait and they play that trait and that's the only trait that they have to play and I think simplifying uh, that to these to each of these kids probably improved each of their performances
1: I agree I I just think that Roald Dahl, whether he was a good guy or a bad guy, you know, history is all over the place about it. He was such a, he just knew how to get in a child's mind to tell a story about mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's why the character of Charlie is so pure while everybody else, you know, is just a.
0: Is, a little fucking monster.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Third> term, Yes. <laughs>
0: The, the these these kids are so fucking obnoxious and to the point and i think it's purposeful i do think it's purposeful but they are obnoxious as hell to the point where when something bad is happening to them you don't feel bad for them
1: <laughs> no no i mean they are just like they are the worst of the worst they are <laughs> i want it now daddy you know and
0: and that's the thing, too. It's like these are the people who are – they're going to go on in life and get everything they want regardless. Mm-hmm. So to see them at some point in their life at least get some kind of comeuppance to, yes. to see them not get what they want through once is just kind of nice. Because they're going to grow up to be senators or, <laughs> or something, you know, leaders of, of industry and get everything they ever want, uh, you know, handed down to them by their parents. So watching – you know, watching – one kid nearly drowned in a river of chocolate or another one get turned into a giant purple balloon. Like, yeah, at least at the very least we got that for a moment.
1: Full disclosure. (laughs) I played Augustus Gloop in high school.
0: Oh yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. That was, uh, (laughs) I played him, you know, like the movie, you know, like I was just some dumb kid, but, Yeah, I I was Augustus Gloop. Augustus Gloop, Augustus Gloop, you great big greeting (laughs) in Yeah,
0: I got to touch on something else, too, about about, uh, the Oompa Loompas. I think the cadence of the way they sing has this sort of dark undertone to it. Oh, yeah, they they are so dark. Yeah, and I, when you when you you know it, it's such a when you're you're dealing with children, and obviously with you're dealing with these having these child actors, and as much as you don't feel bad for them and what's happening to them, like they take it to a place that's even darker than that. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate it. Like it's such a it's such a unique touch to wrap up every one of those. Not, not quite. Not death scenes. I don't think they're deaths anyway.
1: No, they're not. They, you know, they're they're not dead.
0: <laughs> but uh, to to wrap that with these you know, rather dark musical interludes, it's so perfect.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Just the. That's the Oompa Loompas are for the adults. Yeah. You know, that's that touchstone for adults. Be like, God, I fucking hate kids. So.
0: <laughs> you wish you had Oopaloopas with you at a movie theater when there are little children and they're mm-hmm. talking.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that's great. That is the, one of the all time great movies. This is another really wonderful uh, remembrance for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew I always admired this movie I've forgotten how much I admire it. I think the problem still remains in that first 20 minutes or so half hour or so before Gene Wilder shows up it is kind of rickety and I don't find I don't find Charlie bucket to be very compelling uh, I, I find he's not annoying and he he is the he is the essence of 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 uh, kindness and simplicity and whatnot but I don't find him or especially his family all that. Compelling. <laughs> I because I want I think part of that though is just I want to get to Gene Wilder.
1: Well, aside from the fact that Grandpa Joe is a lazy fuck who doesn't get out of bed until he <laughs> suddenly gets a golden ticket. Oh, you're just malingering, aren't you, Joe? <laughs> Fucking come on. Your daughter is having to oh my god. You're making a kid work. And you're laying around complaining about how, oh my God, if he was my grandpa, I would have put a pillow
0: over his face. (laughs) Are the other three just as bad or worse? At least he does get up.
1: He he doesn't get up until he finds out he's going to go to the factory with Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) And even then it's like, I'm going to get up and dance. Fuck you, Joe. (laughs) <laughs> right in the ear. I mean, what an absolutely terrible father that guy is.
0: You want know you know a terrible, horrifying statistic? Uh, the actor playing him is only 50 years old.
1: Yeah, I, know. I trust you. No, I'm me, kidding. I, <laughs> I know that everybody that we thought was 95 is only 50.
0: No, he was 65. He was 65. Okay. I just thought that would be a little horrifying element for everybody for a moment. How would that be possible? <laughs> Wilford Brimley. <laughs> I am older now than
1: Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon. That makes no sense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he must have smoked like six packs a day. Honestly. I have yeah. no idea. I don't know the man. I just, I can't. How do you, how else do you, I mean, unless you're putting, you get, putting away a case of whiskey a day, a month and, and a six packs of cigarettes a day. That's the only way I can explain how you end up looking like that at that age.
1: You know, I mean, I want to grow a big bottle brush and mustache and see if that makes me look 60.
0: <laughs> man, oh man. I tell my, did I tell you my theory on that? About why? Older people, why people looked so much older back in the day and uh, why we don't look so much older today? Tell me. Smoking in bars. Uh, when yeah, we were coming I mean, of age, they'd gotten rid of smoking in bars. And I think that we spent an entire, we spent a big part of our generation going to bars where there wasn't smoke in the air everywhere.
1: Yeah, well... Explain this then. Mm. How come when I was a senior in high school and I looked at the old uh, yearbooks because I was on the yearbook committee? Yeah. How come when I looked at that, all the seniors in high school who like who used to be my babysitters, that's you know that age, like about five to six years older than I was, how come mm-hmm. they all look forty?
0: Because <laughs> they probably started smoking at twelve. <laughs>
1: Okay, that's a good point.
0: <laughs> All right, Jeff. I'm going to wrap this up. i got to get to uh, other things, but uh, thank you. Uh, this was a good episode talking about the Wonkas.
1: Agreed. I wish All I right, had then. made an Oopaloompa song.
0: <laughs> song.
1: We need an Oopaloompa song. doo I have enjoyed podcasting with <laughs> you. How about that? That's
0: great. Perfect. No notes. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.